Hey guys, Press Gallery host Emma Graney here with a quick reminder to subscribe. I also hope you've been listening to our series about how the United Conservative Party came about and won the election. We take a deeper dive into the RCMP investigations, the Elections Commissioner investigations. So if you subscribe, you get them straight to your device. Hooray! To wet your whistle, here is a little clip. Heading into the spring election, Jason Kenney's victory seemed pretty certain. His United Conservative Party was riding high in the polls. In fact, the UCP had led the NDP in those polls pretty much since the party was created in summer 2017. Kenney's three years of near-constant campaigning was paying off. It did help that he had a very simple message. Basically, it was, Alberta's economy's tanked and Rachel Notley's NDP hasn't done enough to help. Public policy choices were made that made a bad situation much worse than it needed to be, that poured fuel on the flames of a recession at the worst possible time. Oh yeah, and she's best friends with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, don't you know? But under the Trudeau-Notley alliance, this industry has been under siege for the past four years. But then, for a brief moment, just before the election was called, it seemed as though the outcome may not be so certain. Uh, You can, of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you happen to podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, generally just want to, you know, swap some cocktail recipes or something, I'm open to that. Shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. Thanks and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. It is Friday, May 31, 2019. My name is Emma Graney. I'm the Provincial Affairs Reporter here and this is the Fighting Fires edition. With me today, my fellow legislative reporter for a short time, (laughs) Janet French. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Excellent. Good to know. And you're wearing your banana earrings today. I'm wearing my banana earrings. Janet has a series of um, fruit earrings that she's been wearing all week. Strawberries, watermelon. It was an impulse drugstore purchase, and I have no regrets. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. They're fantastic. Thank Keith you. Ryan. <laughs> Good morning. Woefully bereft no of banana earrings. earrings. Yeah, I got to get on that. Sorry. Yeah. Come on, Matt. Do better. You're right. He's our political <laughs> columnist, by the way. And our boss, Dave Frankenridge. How are you, mate? Good, good. Excellent. Yes. Um, we're all managing to breathe okay today, I guess. So that's a nice little change. The newsroom smells less of smoke than mm-hmm. it did yesterday. Oh. Yes. So we are going to be talking about um, fires, but more in a political sense, of course, as province is dealing with massive wildfires up north. Um, the government is trying to put out a few of its own. First of all, we have the appointment of a special prosecutor over alleged irregularities into the UCP leadership race. Uh, the RCMP is looking into that currently. Um, we have Health Minister Tyler Shandro trying to fight some fires over a conversion therapy story. And we have MLA Peter Singh trying to fight some fires of his own as another investigation lights up underneath him. So let's get started here because we have an awful lot to cover. I do want to go, first of all, to the appointment of a special prosecutor. Now, this is something that the NDP had asked for again and again in question period. Worth noting here that the government itself doesn't make the decision to appoint a special prosecutor to look into its own party leadership race. Now, that's something that opposition leader Rachel Notley was trying to kind of wrangle with that point, I would say, at on Thursday during inns before everyone went into uh, went into the house. Um, but yes, either way, uh, the Crown's look into 
appointing a special prosecutor from out of province to kind of advise the RCMP. They won't be overseeing the investigation, but they're going to be, I, I like to think of it as a sober second thought, kind of like the Senate of an RCMP investigation. Do you think that's fair, Dave? So it's not like a, a Kenneth Starr investigating <laughs> the Clintons or uh, Bob Mueller, uh, although he was special counsel, Bob Mueller. He wasn't a special prosecutor, but over like running this investigation and writing a report, this sounds like it's someone to who, who has no skin in the game in Alberta to kind of say to the RCMP, like, yeah, do like do this or don't do this, or maybe this is good. I'm not like when they say advise, it doesn't sound like they're leading any investigation. My impression is a lot of it is to do with the public trust and perception of this investigation, because the problem is here, if you just have the RCMP um, and the Crown looking into um, the UCP leadership race, and they're talking. They've already talked to Attorney General slash Justice Minister Doug Schweitzer, who ran for the UCP leadership. So when you have the RCMP interviewing the Attorney General, he's not under investigation. But the problem is when you have the, you basically have it would like, Dave, it would be like me investigating you. You're my boss, <laughs> and it kind of looks a bit weird. You know what I mean? True. And I guess that's kind of, I think, what the point of this is, Keith. Are you saying Dave's under investigation? I didn't say that. <laughs> he was interviewed God by the RCMP. Guys, stop uh, twisting uh, my words. <laughs> is this what it's like to be a politician? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you've laid it out quite well there that someone who is involved with the investigation, however innocently as Doug Schweitzer probably is. Uh, or Dave. Or Dave. <laughs> <laughs> should not be in a position of influence over that investigation in any way, even if they never intend to use that power. Yeah. So that that's the situation that Doug Schweitzer has sort of found himself in. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it became especially obvious when he was interviewed by the RCMP on Sunday, he says for, um, you know, the fact that he was a candidate in the, in the 2017 UCP leadership, the, the conversation was only 30 minutes and, and that was the extent of it. But we can't take his word for it either. That's why you do need sort of an independent, independent third party. And my understanding is as RCMP goes through an investigation, they will need to consult a prosecutor from time to time to say, mm -hmm. are we pursuing the right avenues here? Do you have enough evidence to to actually make an indictment uh, and, and so on? So that's why you do need somebody from another jurisdiction who is not not involved with this in any way. It's just this seems to have taken a long time to get to this point. And Schweitzer says it wasn't even him that appointed it. It was the it was the uh, an independent decision of the Alberta Prosecution Service. So, and that's where this starts to get a little confusing. Well, you were saying that Rachel Notley was trying to wrangle with that idea. Does yep. Schweitzer have the ability to appoint an outside prosecutor to investigate here? Very good question, Dave. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rachel Notley was saying that there's no way that they would have done this or could have done this without the ultimate sign off from the Attorney General's office. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean Doug Schweitzer himself. He is adamant that he only found out about it after they had made that decision and there is a process in place that takes him and the political side of it out of that decision-making process. Rachel Notley kind of poo-pooed that idea and went, meh. And so I put that to Doug Schweitzer and said, well, you know, Notley just said that you have to give the ultimate okay. And he kind of looked at me and was like, that is absolutely false. I had no idea that they were going to do this. They did this on their own. There is a process. The process was followed. It was independent of me or anyone in my office. Oh, so. it's, it, well, it's interesting. And you could, I don't know if the 
direct parallel is there, but you look at what happened with the SNC-Lavalin scandal at, in Ottawa, where the attorney general was saying, no, don't, I don't want to get involved with what the director of public prosecutions is doing. It should uh, not be a political process. There shouldn't be a yes or no from the attorney general. It should all be done by the prosecutor's office. I mean, to me, Schweitzer's behavior in this has been very strange. So when he was first asked about this this week, he his response was basically a talking point that said uh, the RCMP has independence. Uh, this, they are running an independent investigation. You'd say that over and over and over again. I have nothing further to say. It would be inappropriate for me to comment further. And he just didn't seem to get the point or maybe deliberately missed it that maybe there is a need for a special prosecutor. You, Buddy, you've just been interviewed by the RCMP. Why are you not acknowledging this? Mm-hmm. And it felt so repetitive, these talking points, that you had to wonder if he was being scripted, if this was coming from the premier's office. And that started to get me a little concerned. I mean, Justin Trudeau is uh, in a fight for his job right now because of an alleged interference with the Attorney General of Canada. I hope the same thing is not going on here in Alberta. That would be very concerning. Mm -hmm. Schweitzer is not admitting any such thing. But then to come out on Thursday and say, uh, yes, now we see that we do have a special prosecutor here. I had nothing to do with it, though. I don't get that. I don't know why you wouldn't celebrate that. I don't know why you'd want to not want to take credit for it to say. But if he hey, didn't appoint it, why would he take credit? Well, if, for if he didn't appoint it, it, I guess. But to even say, you know, I, I support this decision, um, that this is a good thing. He won't even bring himself to do that, which I find odd because in theory, this is the right thing to do. This is the way to restore public trust. He won't even go that far. It's just very odd to me. You're right. He didn't applaud the decision, which probably would have been a a good move. Like even if, even having absolutely nothing to do with it, thinking it's a good thing, you could cheer for it. Kind of like if you're cheering for the Raptors and you're not on the team. Indeed. You know what I mean? (laughs) You have nothing to do with it, but you're like, good job, sports team. Was that a good reference? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm the <laughs> arbiter of all things sports. <laughs> Not. Um, I think it's probably important to point out, too, that it was Doug Schweitzer and Brian Jean who initially raised some of the concerns about this leadership race, which yep. sort of brings this all this. Is it ironic? I don't know. Or just full circle. Bizarre. Yeah, the whole thing is interesting. And it's worth pointing out here, too, that um, Doug Schweitzer spoke with the RCMP, as we said, on Sunday. Um, he was asked about it on Monday and, yeah, on Monday in the House. Rachel Notley wanted to know, did you tell the Premier's office about this? And that was an interesting line of questioning that the NDP took because he was like, yep, yep, I did, yep. Not the, not the Premier though, just his staffers. And she had a go at that as well saying, you dumb dumb, don't talk about <laughs> this with the Premier's office. Not a direct quote. Not a direct quote, obviously <laughs> a paraphrase. I'm not surprised that he told the Premier's office. From what we know about the investigation, the investigation isn't looking directly at the Premier. Should he have been informed that the attorney general was interviewed? It makes it look kind of gross, but at the same time, I'm not surprised that he did. And I'm also not surprised to see that no, Doug Schweitzer, surprised. yeah, that Doug Schweitzer was clinging desperately to his talking points. And we can also get to this mm. uh, when we talk about uh, Tyler Shandro and, and conversion therapy a little later. Like we're talking about a minister in a government run by a guy who was a cabinet minister in the Harper government, and both Harper and Kenny are very well known for message control. And whether it's scripted or these guys are rookie ministers and are are a little gun shy, I think either way, it's, you know, it's, I think, par for the course with what you'd expect. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
you know, Doug Schweitzer is no dummy. He is he's a lawyer. He understands legal process. One would hope, being a lawyer and all. Um, so yeah, it, I guess we'll see where this where this goes because this is the this is the story that just keeps coming out in dribs and drabs and bits and pieces. And I can only imagine it's just going to continue. Dave, further to your point, let's talk about Tyler Shandro. <laughs> So this was an interesting week um, for me personally. Uh, Monday was a very interesting day. Let me tell you a little bit of a story, dear listeners. So I had asked last week um, Tyler Shandro, the health minister, whether or not the government was continuing with the conversion therapy working group. Now, this was a working group um, formed under the NDP. It had two NDP MLAs on it. It also had a whole bunch of academics, therapists, uh, faith leaders, all kinds of people were on this thing. Now, he said, oh, I'm not sure. We'll find out the answer for you. Um, the next day he said, did you get that answer yet? And I went, no, actually I haven't. And he went, well, we don't support, like the government doesn't support conversion therapy, but we'll find out this answer for you. So then the next day um, I was speaking to the pr- the press secretary for Tyler Shandro, that's Steve Buick. He came up to me at INS and said, oh, um, we have an answer for you on that. Yeah, the working group is done. It's gone. Um, and then he proceeded to tell me because he can't bill for it in Alberta, um, so therefore it's not a thing and we have no plans to do another one, um, do another working group to look at banning the practice of conversion therapy. Then I said to Steve, because I was quite busy, I was like, hey, can, awesome, no worries, can you just shoot me an email with that information in it? Um, sweet, and can I talk to the minister? And he was like, well, the minister's driving away, but here it is in an email, off you go. So I wrote the story up, da-da-da-da-da, gets published Monday morning. I don't hear anything from the UCP. I don't hear anything from Steve Buick until around 10.30 in the morning. And this story has been online since 4 a.m. And I get tagged in a tweet um, by the health minister who says that my story is incorrect and doesn't reflect what him or his office told me, to which I replied, "Uh, here's the statement from your press secretary, minister, and... um, It basically blew up from there. I called the press secretary who said there was nothing wrong with my story. I said, do I need to correct anything in there? He said, no. I said, do I need to change something in this story? Like, tell your health minister's having a go at me on Twitter right now, basically calling me a liar, so you might want to deal with that. And he went, no, there's nothing wrong with your story. So then on Monday during INS, which is basically when we stop cabinet ministers or politicians before they go into the house. The legislative press guy was quite interested, obviously, into what's going on here, um, particularly because of the fact that the health minister has chosen to publicly berate me on Twitter as opposed to getting his staff to call me and say there is an issue. And there wasn't an issue anyway when I asked his staff. It seemed to be that they took issue with the fact that the language of the UCP has cancelled the working group. Now, he seems to think that when the UCP took government, it just kind of magically disappeared. The working group just pop, gone. Naturally ended. Naturally ended. Exactly. He kept using the words ad hoc. Yes. Like, well, they were going to, like, it was supposed to disband anyway, which I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. So, so we're in this bizarre place where is it gone? He wouldn't. And then in this scrum, and this is the first one, we're going to talk about a second one in a little bit. Basically, Michelle Bellafontaine and I, um, she's the CBC reporter, and I are in the scrum going, is it disbanded? Yes or no? It was like a little chant, actually. And he just wouldn't say yes or no. He wouldn't say whether or not it even still exists and then just started calling this this ad hoc committee. And the whole thing was so freaking weird. <laughs> And no, it still didn't quite get an answer as to what the heck is going on here. 
far as I'm concerned, the working group is done. It's gone, it's dead, because that's what they told me and they never asked for a correction. Cue down further into the week. Um, Keith. <laughs> yeah, this, this point, is Wednesday. This is Wednesday. Well, at this point, uh, the NDP is, of course, wondering what's going on. And, and Shandro, uh, to his credit or not, it's hard to say at this point, decided to meet with a couple of members of the group, including the NDP's Nicole Gehring. And uh, that meeting apparently was Wednesday morning. And so, uh, again, the press gallery was very interested to hear from Tyler Shandro uh, Wednesday at Inns as to what happened. And so uh, we asked the question and his answer uh, was entirely repetitive. It was basically, I met with the group. We had a good meeting. Uh, they had some questions for me and I will get back to them in due course. Remember that phrase, in due course, because it became a thing. Uh, and so... So uh, people started asking, reporters started asking, what do you mean by in due course? Is this is this group dead or not? Why can't you just say whether this is continuing or not or whether you have any interest in continuing this whatsoever? And he just kept repeating the same phrase over <laughs> and over. In due course. So I, I, I mean, you could – all he had to do was veer a little bit off script and say, you know what? We haven't made a decision yet. Um we're going to – I'm going to have a think about what she said, Nicole Goring, the MLA, and come back to you guys, no problem. Then what What, would she, what did she say in the meeting? He, all he had to say was, you know what, I want to respect the privacy of the meeting. If you want to know what she was, she was asking me about, then, you know, please talk to her about it, but I don't want to betray her confidence. Hello, right. bam, there you go, two answers. You're welcome, Tyler Shandro. <laughs> Feel free to use them on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> There was there was a large variety of ways he could have handled that so many. much much better, uh, but it it came off awful, just awful, uh, because he just would not budge from that very tightly scripted message that he had clearly been given from somebody else. At least in my view, that uh, that it was it was he's not a dumb guy, so for him to stick to that particular line. Uh, tells me that that it was ordered by by higher authorities there, but it it, it made him look awful. Uh, it was being videotaped, recorded. That went up online, and all day Thursday, uh, in due course, was a hashtag. The video went viral. Uh, he had a bad day. <laughs> I think it's Ta fair to say. Talishandra's no good. Very bad Thursday. <laughs> I mean, for me, watching that, and it it was cringeworthy, and I was wondering if it was as Keith said, scripted and give it to him and told stay on message or he was, you know, rookie ministers just kind of clinging desperately to the one thing that they have or they've been given. Um, but it was reminiscent for me of Dr. Stephen Duckett, who was once the CEO of Alberta Health Services, who famously left a meeting uh, <laughs> regarding the situation in the province's emergency rooms and was being hounded by reporters, as we like to do, as he was leaving the, the building and was refusing to answer questions. And he said, oh, I'm eating my cookie. And he couldn't <laughs> answer any questions because he was too busy eating his cookie. And then he was promptly fired. Um, Wasn't he Australian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. So, it, you know, like for... For, for people who've been following Alberta politics for a while, that was the level I felt that he got to. It was just, it was an awful performance by a rookie minister who was seen as like one of the shining lights of Jason Kenney's young, vibrant cabinet. Yeah. And I mean, Chandra doesn't seem like a bad dude. Like, I'd, and he seems like a fairly smart, capable fellow. Well, he had another press conference Thursday afternoon on uh, the fact that they are launching a review of Alberta Health Services, and he handled that one 
perfectly well. Uh, answered questions, was well prepared, and s- seemed free to say more than he had than a pretty the one low bar to me, though. Okay, <laughs> he really did. But I mean, it shows he's certainly capable of yeah. handling these things fairly well. Um, it was it was a less controversial topic to be sure, but um, it, it just struck me how different that performance was from his one on Wednesday. The political theater part aside, uh, the long and short of it is that the conversion therapy working group that was looking at ways to ban conversion therapy in Alberta is no longer longer. a thing. Which Um, doesn't, like, what does the government lose by just letting that do its thing? I think, I mean, from the, the Kenny government's perspective, if you... And and they've made pains, and I do want to point this out. They've said many times that they do not support conversion therapy. Um, the government doesn't support it. I know that there are members, individual members of the UCP caucus who think it's just, you know, tickety-boo, no problems at all. Thank you very much, government. Get out of our lives. But the government itself, the Kenny government, the UCP, doesn't support conversion therapy. Um, but I they guess- keep talking about it like it's a health service. And that, exactly. Maybe Keith should talk about yeah. this. It, <laughs> it's you not can't a health for service. In Alberta, people so therefore, don't it doesn't yeah, exist. Exists. Which is yeah, no, that's a red herring. That's that's a complete red herring. Of course, you can't bill for it. Uh, you know, like like a, a checkup or an injection or or a bypass surgery or something, right? It's not a, it's not a medically recognized practice. It's it's a practice that is done under the table, away from public eyes, because it's considered harmful. Uh, it, it's. Uh, the pseudo psychological spiritual intervention to that you can cure somebody of their gender identity or sexual orientation and it doesn't work and it winds up hurting people and causing them long term uh, mental health grief. So, um, the fact that the the health department is now saying, well, it's not a medical practice, and so therefore we have no jurisdiction over it, is just a red herring, right? You ha- whether you deal with it through a the health file or justice or some other department or ministry of government. It still is a practice that we know goes on in Alberta and should be banned. And it's great that the UCP government says we don't support it. What are you actually doing about it? That's the thing. And that was the point of this working group too, because it is an issue that it does kind of, um, it waddles into some fairly, some religious territory as well. So the point of it was making sure you draft a bill that can withstand a charter challenge, right? So that was kind of some of the work that the working group was going to do. They'd had a couple of meetings, then of course the election happened. And then the cyn- the cynics say that the NDP started this group going into the election when they had four years when they could have done something about banning conversion therapy and didn't and made it political. Like they were kind of the ones who formed this into a political thing when it didn't have to be if they dealt with it earlier, if it was an issue. That has been Jason Kenney's, um, he's mentioned that a few times as well, that well we heard from ministers that you know, you can't be billed for, so we're not really sure what we can do. And it wasn't new to them. I mean, I, I know that some people have been calling on government right from, you know, them being elected, that yeah. they this was a move they should make. It's something other provinces have also tackled, and maybe they need to have a closer look at the way the mechanisms they used in other provinces, because this is not new territory. No, Manitoba and Ontario have both outlawed it. So, you know, if they can do it, Alberta can too. Oh, we need a made in Alberta solution. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thanks. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, Dave, you did allude to this earlier about um, politicians and talking points and um, one Peter Singh. 
Did he did he have anything to talk? Did he did he offer a talking point? <laughs> Is he a fast runner, Emma? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Oh, lordy me. I've had some pretty good cardio this week, guys. Not gonna lie. I feel like I'm just hijacking all the fun, you guys. I'm really sorry. Janet, I haven't left you anything. I'm totally entertained. You just you do you. <laughs> Okay, so Peter Singh, he is the MLA, the UCP MLA for Calgary East. You might remember him from such earlier hits as the RCMP raided my business, Dave's before the election, or, oh, the UCP is doing an internal investigation into the nomination race around in my candidacy, huh? So Peter Singh is a guy who is, I think it's fair to say, is on our radar as someone who has been the subject of a couple of investigations already. I do want to say up front here, Peter Singh does maintain his innocence on every investigation that involves him. What happened this week was that information came to light. This was first reported in the Star and then I got a copy of this uh, email and letter sent as well to a person in Calgary who had complained about the nomination race in Calgary East that Peter Singh won. There were allegations of um, basically him using his business's information and people who had gone to his business to get their cars fixed and kind of signing them up for UCP memberships without them knowing about it, offering people gifts, um, offering them money to sign up for the UCP and vote for him uh, to be the candidate. That's called bribery, if, if in fact that occurred. So that was the complaint. Um, and now f- the four losing candidates sent a joint letter to the UCP back in um, December, late late November, early December in 2018, saying shenanigans were afoot. Can you all please do something about it? Look into this thing. The UCP did. They had an internal investigation and they found that Peter Singh had done nothing wrong. Now, since that time, some grassroots members, um, from what I understand, went to the Elections Commission and were like, again, shenanigans, so not okay. So then the Elections Commissioner started looking into it. And that's where we're at right now. It's been confirmed that the Elections Commissioner is indeed um, investigating this allegation that Peter Singh um, was offering gifts and inducements to folks to get them to vote for him. Now, the RCMP raided his business, as I said, uh, days before voters headed to the polls. They seized a computer and a whole bunch of other electronic stuff as well. Um, And his Peter Singh's lawyer confirmed on election day, of all days, (laughs) that it was indeed to do with the UCP leadership investigation um, that the RCMP are doing right now. Oh, there are layers here, people. There are more layers than a freaking chocolate mousse cake, I tell you what. (laughs) So then on Friday, um, the star um, put this out first, props to Kieran Livett, um, about the this ele- confirmation that the election commissioner is in fact looking into this. Uh, I later on got a copy of that that email. So as soon as the star story was published, I did my thing and I was like, well, I'll see if I can get Peter Singh today then. I have tried before and he doesn't seem to really like talking to me. I don't know why. I'm really, I'm delightful. I'm. He comes, I was just waiting and I figured, well, he's got to leave at some point. So he came out of the side door from the house into the arms of two staffers in a metaphorical sense, and I descended and said, Peter, Mr. Singh, um, I've got some questions to ask you. Are you under investigation for bribery? Do you have anything to say to your, to your constituents? What do you say to people who have questions about this? Are you under investigation for bribery? The audio is quite funny, actually. Maybe you'll hear it on our um, press gallery special series we're doing right now. Ooh, 
Hmm, teaser. So I basically chased him up the stairs. Um, he was saying nothing. I would say the highlight of this for me was when we went past a tour group of school kids and I'm going, I'm barreling by with this random politician and, and I'm yelling, are you under investigation for bribery, Mr. Singh? And these kids are all like, whoa. <laughs> I like to think they'll remember that part of the tour of the legislative <laughs> Future program. journalists right there. Yeah. So then anyway, so then the staffers kind of um, put Peter Singh into an office on the fourth floor. And the thing is, it's in the west wing of the building and there's no way out of there without going past me in the hallway. Trapped. Yes. You either abseil out of a window, window yeah. or you go past me. So in the end, they brought him out and said, look, he's got a quick statement. He won't answer questions. And I went, oh, you know, I'm going to ask him. They went, well, yeah, we know. He came out and said, I'm innocent. And I was like, you know, has the elections commissioner? He's like, don't know. He hasn't spoken to me about any of this. I was like, how about the RCMP? He's like, they've not spoken to me about any charges. And then it was like, is the star story correct? And he, at that point, scuttled away again. <laughs> Um, into the protection of Joseph Shaw, who is the deputy whip and very, very tall. And then he was shunted out the building. So, Keith, Dave, <laughs> Janet, way on in. This is, uh, I, as far as I can tell, the election commissioner is looking into the, the same allegations that came up uh, during the nomination process earlier this year. Uh, so clearly, the election commissioner has felt that perhaps that internal investigation done by the UCP maybe did not uncover everything, maybe didn't reach the right conclusion. We'll see. We'll see what the elections commissioner comes up with. But it is interesting that this is now being reinvestigated by a, I would say, a more independent party at this point. Um, but uh, again, this uh, this UCP nomination process, the UCP leadership, uh, just not going away. This was... Uh, this is the the gift that keeps on giving in some ways for for journalists. Yeah, and the opposition and the NDP. Yeah, and, the, yeah. and the NDP. I mean, it's one of those situations. Kid, can he afford to shunt him from caucus until the investigation is dealt with? But at the same time, he hasn't been uh, charged or convicted of any wrongdoing, so it, it would seem unfair in some ways to remove him from caucus. But either way, the fact that this is not just the Calgary East nomination race that is causing the the government problems is as Peter Singh has ties to the investigation into the UCP leadership race on the whole. It's a big mess for Kenny that and the government that is not going to go away for a while, I don't think. And further to your point about the opposition making hay of this, that's completely true because Sarah Hoffman, deputy leader, um, held an impromptu press conference yesterday after all of this news surfaced and said, Kenny needs to take action and kick Singh out of caucus. Um, she didn't think he should be removed as an MLA, just like go and sit you know, in independent corner um, until all this blows over. And wear the cone hat, even very <laughs> naughty. And I pointed out, well, you know what? You had two MLAs who were under investigation for sexual misconduct. You let them stay in your caucus. And, and never named them or... Never named them, hmm. never went, never told anyone about, in fact, that that was happening at the time. So aren't you kind of being a little bit mm, here? And she went, <laughs> look, fair question, but I would say having an election commissioner investigation into, you know, bribery and forgery is very different from something we were dealing with internally as a party and the complainants didn't want to have attention drawn to it and we were doing that because to remove those two MLAs from caucus would have drawn more attention to it. Everyone would have asked why and then the complainants would have had their privacy issues. 
I don't know about that, but I did ask the question. It's a bit difficult. She did also, or one of you did bring up the idea of Deborah Drever, though, who yeah, was, that was me too. That was you as well. See, you're on your game this week. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I haven't slept much, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right. And Deborah Drever, right, was removed from the NDP caucus uh, early in uh, the term uh, in 2015 uh, for some social media posts that, in some ways, were, were not flattering at all, but in some ways were not. Uh, Under police investigation. Yeah, not not quite the same level of, of, of concern that. Uh, Peter Singh probably finds himself in right now. So the NDP did, does have a precedent of removing troublesome MLAs from their caucus, at least temporarily. Deborah Drever did eventually get back in. But in Drever's case, it was something that she had actually done. True. But again, I understand like it is having having a member under investigation. It makes you wonder, well, why is he still kicking around caucus? And you'd just be better off to not deal with him. I understand that. I think that's a completely valid point. On the flip side, the fact that he hasn't been charged or convicted of a crime it would seem like, well, why single that guy out? You know, if they're they're investigating the race, let them deal with it, and then we'll make decisions based on what happens. Like yeah. I, I understand both arguments here, but it just doesn't look. Yeah, great. innocent until proven guilty <laughs> is is still a thing and should still be a thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. This has got to be super frustrating for the UCP at the timing of it all because they just want to talk about their agenda and their platform promises so badly with all these. Having us run out to Nisku to uh, talk about red tape and all their yeah, they had an actual thing of red tape that Kenny cut with a pair of scissors. That was that was tacky. Fun. That was fun. fun. That's uh, sure. You know, political <laughs> props. Yeah, and all this unfolded on Jason Kenny's birthday yesterday too. So. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> ah, what a time to be alive. All right, we have to move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have read, seen, or listened to lately that we think you might also enjoy. Janet, do you want to kick us off, mate? Okay, well, I would like to tell you that I read several in-depth pieces of hard-hitting investigative journalism this week, but I didn't because <laughs> I was busy parenting. At least you're honest. You know? I am, yeah. Um, so I'm going to do a parenthood recommendation, which is uh, a book series by Neil Patrick Harris. It's a children's book series. Oh, uh, I know. He's it's awesome. called Right? It's called The Magic Magic Misfits. And uh, my mom actually bought these books for my son. Thanks, mom. And uh, it's, it's kind of a nice little um, look into the idea, a very age-appropriate look into the idea that, like, your family doesn't have to be the people necessarily that you're related to by blood. Um and uh, it's very, very funny. And it, there's instructions that teaches you magic tricks as well. And my son absolutely gobbled it up. Fantastic. Um, Keith? Is there anything Neil Patrick Harris can't do? No, I no mean, he's amazing. It's pretty great. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to recommend a opinion piece in The Globe from uh, Trevor Toome, economist at the University of Calgary, called No, Alberta Did Not Scrap Its Carbon oh, Tax. I read that. Yes, quite good. <laughs> you just uh, want to know that you did actually read some I read journalism an adult this week. piece of journalism. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Tomb's point is that yeah, uh, we we have now scrapped the retail carbon tax, the one we pay on on gas and heating. Uh, that one's gone officially as of Thursday, but Jason Kenney has kept the carbon tax on industrial emitters. That is still there. Still is a price on carbon, price on pollution for industry in this province, uh, and so he has some qualms about how the government plans to change that, but also wants to make the point that. We still have a carbon tax in Alberta. We still have a carbon tax in Alberta. Uh, we didn't get into this episode, the uh, the smoke that is uh, filling Alberta right now and the fact that uh, 
Jason Kenney was hoping to have a kind of a celebratory news conference to uh, celebrate the the end of the retail carbon tax that had to be canceled because of that smoke and the wildfire activity. Um, but had that press conference occurred, I probably would have asked him about this, that the fact that we still do have a carbon tax on emitters. Anyway, interesting piece from Trevor Two. I'm going to recommend something that is not at all political in any way, shape or form. It is a documentary on Netflix called Generation Iron 3. It is about the world of professional bodybuilding. Not something that I'm in any way. (laughs) I'm not a bodybuilder, as anyone who knows me knows well. But it is absolutely fascinating because I find it a really fascinating sport, just the psychology of what drives people to just want to do that. And it goes around the world and talks with these bodybuilders from different countries and different continents like Iran, um, in Ghana as well, where bodybuilding is kind of starting to take off, but there's not a lot of money. So they're having to make do and eating like a proper bodybuilder is super hard. And it is absolutely fascinating. Highly recommend it. I just, I was like, what? The whole way through. So Generation Iron 3 on Netflix. Highly recommend. Dave, take us home. I'm going to be a bit of a homer, uh, suggest a new podcast from Post Media. It's called Defense Watch. It's hosted by our military reporter, Dave Paglazi. Um, Episode one kind of gives you a behind the scenes look of what it's like to be a member of Joint Task Force 2, our special forces. He talks with a member of JTF2 about... Um, what it takes to get through the selection process, kind of myths surrounding the unit. One of the things that he, I found interesting is these guys aren't like big, super muscular action hero type guys because you can't be that guy that kind of build and and it doesn't work for what they do. Um, obviously, you can't talk about classified missions or anything he's gone on, but he offers kind of a glimpse behind the curtain of of, uh, kind of a unit Canadians don't know a whole ton about. So it's a really fascinating listen. Interesting. Guys, thank you so much for joining me this week. Janet French, Keith Durine, Dave Breckenridge. We are, of course, going to be back for another episode next week, and we'll have another episode of our special series coming out next week as well, and that will take a look at the NDP um, and how they lost the election. So do tune in for that. Do subscribe. And we'll be back again next week. 